Good morning, church. Good morning to those who are watching online and those who are here in the sanctuary. I had this thought after they sang that song, uh, Because He Lives, during the walkthrough this, earlier this morning, then in the last service. It brought me back to a time whenever we were having an outdoor service on the promised land, whenever we were moving in the plans to go forward to uh, expand the church. And I was on the platform with Bishop Taylor, our resident bishop here in South Carolina, and Janice Albergati was doing a children's message with about 100 children down front outside there. And she went a little long in her children's sermon, and it was very good. And Bishop Taylor leaned over to me and said, she's preaching my sermon. (laughs) And after listening to Because He Lives, they have just preached my sermon. So we can really just go home now and, uh, and wrap it up because as you think about feelings, this series on feelings, we've talked about compassion, we talked about grief, we talked about joy, last week we talked about anger, and today we're going to talk about fear. And all fear is gone when we know that Jesus Christ has defeated fear in through the power of resurrection because he holds tomorrow. We prayed just a moment ago you know, thy kingdom come and be with us forever and ever and ever and ever. I can rest in that. I can trust in that. I shared last week and I preached on anger in the auditorium of this illustration I keep on my desk that someone made for me. It's the only kind in the world. It's a little box that has facts, faith, and feelings on it. It's a engine. It's a coal car and it's a caboose. Remember those Lionel trains, engine, coal car and caboose. The engine of this train is called facts based on God's word will guide me and direct me. Faith is what I believe in about God's facts and feelings is the caboose. Feelings are along for the ride. I found in in my experience in life and ministry that whenever we try to use a caboose to drive a train, it doesn't really go anywhere except up and down goes down and back up and down and back up and down and back up. It's, it's not the way God intends us to live. We should never put our faith in our feelings. They're along for the ride. We should put our faith in facts, which is God's word. So today we're talking about fear. Basic fears. You know, babies are born with two fears, loud noises and being dropped. As I get older... Loud noises and Lynn, don't drop me, right? Uh, Don't let me go. But we also along the way collect a lot of other fears. And these irrational fears that we collect are called phobias. And there are over 200 phobias. I never forget, um, Aaron was younger, Ashley was younger. Ashley was in the sixth grade, Aaron was in. Well, I better not tell that story because I told a story last week about how my, aunt, my daughter met me in the, in the aisle because I told a story I didn't get permission to tell and she got really angry and rebuked me. So I promised I wouldn't tell a story. So you all see me later and I'll tell you that story. But it was about phobias. It was a spelling test on phobias. I'll let it go there. But, our, 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 you know, here it is the day after Halloween and we're talking about fear right? So I thought it'd be good if we tried out a few Halloween phobias. See if you can get these. The first phobia that we sometimes see at Halloween is, see if you know what this is, arachophobia. What's arachophobia? 
Fear of spiders, right? There we go. Especially those big spiders in the woods, right? The second one is keratophobia. Keratophobia. Anybody know what that is? All right, show that one. The fear of bats, right? I don't want bats. I don't like bats. Uh, growing up in Kentucky, we had caves. We had bats. Uh, this one, I saw a couple of these last night. They scared me. Colophobia. Colophobia. I can't pronounce it, but you'll see it in a minute. Anybody know what that one is? Colophobia. It's a fear of clowns, right? I mean, you know, some people just make really bad clowns. And then placphobia. Placphobia. Anybody? Not your teeth. Placphobia is this one, is the fear of tombstones. You know, we've got one right out there, tombstones. We, our, our parsonage in Conway, the, the cemetery was right behind the house. We had a little placphobia. I didn't know what it was at the time going on with our kids. And then Samahan, Samahin phobia, I think is how you pronounce it, is just this one. The phobia of fear of Halloween. I'm not a big Halloween fan but the kids love it. And then we had two of these this month. Selenophobia. What's that? Full moon, the full moon, the fear of the full moon. Whatever, right? Takes all kinds of fears. And then I didn't know this was a Halloween phobia, but Lauren with our production team said it was. And it's the on and on and on and on and on phobia, which is the phobia of long sermons. So... (laughs) So I'll try to, try to keep it brief today. Uh, we could have left after the hymn a minute ago and just been over, but, you know. So let me give you a definition of fear. Fear is the unpleasant emotion caused by belief someone or something is dangerous, a threat. It could be painful. And we know that fear affects us physically, right? You know, it changes our heartbeats. It changes our blood pressure. It gets that gut feeling. But I believe there is a much more serious fear than physical fear, and that is spiritual fear or emotional fear. The fear that leads to instability and unhappiness and lack of joy, loss of contentment, and paralyzes our souls. Paralyzes our souls. You know, there was a study that John Hopkins did from 30 years ago defining the greatest fears that grade school children had 30 years ago. Their greatest fears were animals, being in a dark room, high places, loud noises, strangers. A more recent John Hopkins study of the greatest fears of grade school children has changed. You know what it is now? Their greatest fears are cancer, divorce, nuclear war, pollution, being mugged. As I thought about fear, and I, we've all felt fear in our lives, and we've wondered how to push through fear. I've been amazed at people who have great courage in difficult situations. I, I picked up a book online, um, and it was so captivating that I read it in one evening. A book by Nick Walinda, the Walinda family. He's a, an American acrobat a high-wire artist. He's a believer in Jesus. He has 11 Guinness World Records. He's walked a tightrope across Niagara Falls and the Grand Canyon. And this is a book that's just been released like two months ago entitled Facing Fear. I thought, surely I can learn something about facing fear 
from somebody who walks a tightrope across the Grand Canyon or between two skyscrapers in Times Square, 28 floors off the ground. And he said there are two types of fear. He said there's healthy fear, which helps us navigate a dangerous world. And we live in a dangerous world, right? It's, it's a fear that protects us. It's the fear that we teach our children or grandchildren not to touch a hot, hot stove. This is not good for you. It's last night telling my granddaughter to, to make sure you look both ways when you cross the road to go get candy at that house. The fear that protects. But there's an unhealthy fear, he says, that it's when our emotions paralyze us. Our emotions cause us to freeze and cause us to stumble and cause us to fall. And you can imagine if you're walking on a tightrope, you don't want that kind of fear. The fear that would cause you to freeze out there over the Grand Canyon or a active volcano that he did in March. I'll talk more about Nick in just a minute, but the word fear is mentioned over 500 times in Scripture. There are over 100 fear nots in Scripture, fear not, followed by this declaration, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. The 23rd Psalm, for I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. I will not fear. Why? Because you are with me. You are close beside me. Your rod and your staff will protect me from harm. Mark Batterson said, the only God-ordained fear is the fear of God. The only fear that God ordains is the fear of God. And if we fear him, we don't have to fear anyone or anything else. Somebody say amen to that. If we fear God, reverence God, respect God, we don't have to be afraid of anything else or anyone else. So I want to read to you this morning some scripture that's a familiar passage to many of you. And so if you're here this morning able to stand or you're in your living room or um, driving your car right now, listen closely to these words. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? From Matthew 14, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. A phobia. He's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, how many times have you said that? Lord, if it's really you, when you hear that still, quiet voice, is Lord, if it's really you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? 
Church, why do you doubt? Why are you afraid? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The most important decision you will make today, the most important decision that you'll make this week is declaring, Jesus, you are the Son of God. You are the Son of God, and nothing else matters because you are the Son of God. The Word of God for the people of God. Father God, bless the reading of your Word and bless these words that I speak. May they honor you and glorify you. May they draw people, your people, these people, closer to you. Take away our fear and replace it with your peace. Calm us down. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. So who told the disciples that Jesus was a ghost? Who told Peter that he was going to sink? Now, Jesus told him to get out of the boat and come to me. But who told Peter that you're going to sink? Why do you doubt? I think it's evident from this passage that the reason that Peter began to sink was he took his eyes off of Jesus. But hear this important truth out of this passage is that Jesus had never taken his eyes off the disciples. Even as he was off from a distance praying in the mountains, he knew exactly where they were. That was before GPS. He wasn't tracking them. He didn't have their location off of some satellite. He had their location in his heart. He knew exactly where they were. He knew exactly what they needed. And that's why he asked them, why are you afraid? Don't you know that I'm watching over you? Don't you know that I am with you? Church, why are you afraid? Don't you know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is with you? And that he is watching over you. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly where you are. There's another story in Mark 4 about a storm coming up. Jesus is in the boat. The waves are breaking into the boat, filling it with water. Jesus is sleeping, his head on a cushion, and the disciples wake him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus did wake up, he rebuked the wind, said to the waves, Be still. Suddenly the waves stopped. The wind stopped. There was great calm. And then he asked them this question again, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Church, Tuesday is an election day. Do you still have no faith that our God is still in control? No matter the outcome of an election, no matter the outcome of a pandemic, no matter the outcome of the economy, our God is still in control. He has the power to calm the storms. We trust in him. So why are you afraid? It's a great question, isn't it? 
Zach Williams wrote a great song, sang here a couple years ago, sang this song, I believe, with Dolly Parton in the uh, award shows recently. The word, the, the title of the song is Fear is a Liar. Can I get an amen to that? Fear is a Liar. I love the words he wrote. When he told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful, that you'll never be enough, when he told you you were dirty and you should be ashamed, fear, he is a liar. He will take your breath. He will stop you in your steps. He will rob you of your rest. He will steal your happiness. Cast your fear in the fire because fear, he is a liar. Fear is a liar. God hasn't told you any of the things that you're afraid of. But there is a liar. There is an evil presence. My friends, what you and I are experiencing right now in our world is spiritual warfare. It is the ultimate battle between good and evil. And we as Christians have find ourselves in the crosshairs of a battle. Jesus, when he was rebu rebuking the, the, the Pharisees for their <clears throat> lack of faith, disobedience, from John chapter 8, reading from the message, if God were your father, said Jesus, you would love me for I came from God and arrived here. I didn't come on my own. He sent me. Why can't you understand one word I say? Here's why. You can't handle it. Sound like a line from a movie I heard one time. You can't handle it. You're from your father, the devil, and all you want to do is please him. He was a killer from the very start. Remember the Garden of Eden? He couldn't stand the truth because there wasn't a shred of truth in him. When the liar speaks, he makes it up out of his lying nature and fills the world with lies. Fills the world with lies. And what are some of the lies that the evil one has told? And some of you have believed these lies. The first one really simple is, I can't. I can't. I can't do anything right. I can't stop doing what I want to stop doing. I can't change I can't be a better person. I can't get this right. Did God tell you that? Or did fear tell you that? Now, I will tell you, on our own strength, we can't get it right. But with God's help, we can get it right. It was, it was the Apostle Paul who said, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. I can. I can with God's help. Another lie is God won't. It's a lie straight from hell. God won't forgive me. God won't forget what I've done. God won't love me. God won't hear me. God won't help me. God won't heal me. God won't. Jesus said that God will. God will forgive you if you confess your sins. God will forget your sins and spread them as far as the east is to the west. God will love you. God does love you. God will hear you. God will heal you. You know, I've said this many times that God heals us always, sometimes instantly, 
sometimes gradually and always in resurrection. We have celebrated the lives here earlier of folks on the screen, folks who have died in the last year. Many of those people lost a earthly battle with a disease, but we stood here in this sanctuary and declared that they were healed. They had been set free from their pain and from their problems, and praise be to God who has the power to do that. And then this lie, it's too late. It's too late. You've messed up too many times. You can't get it right. You've waited too long. Your dreams are gone. It's too late. That's a lie straight from the pits of hell. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. Everyone. It's not too late. If you're listening here today in person or online and you believe the lie of fear that it's too late, it's not too late. Somebody say amen to that. That's good news. It is not too late. I love what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6. For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is right now. The right time is right now. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Today, right now. It is not too late. Don't let fear blind you to truth. Don't let fear convince you that lies are true. You know what the acrostic for fear is? Fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Don't believe the liar. You know, fear can be helpful when we're, when we're kids, but fear can cripple us when we're adults. When Lynn and I were dating there in Conway and Myrtle Beach, I knew it was time to pop the question, right? I knew that, what's the phrase, I need to uh, fish or cut bait? Is that what this is? Is that a phrase? I knew it was time, right? And I was nervous that she would not say yes, but I was afraid that I would fail as a husband. My fear was that I could not do this. My dad had been married three times. My sister, who's a year older than me, had already had a divorce. And so I was afraid to fail. I was afraid to, to invite Lynn into that dysfunction. So I was afraid to ask the question. Fear was lying to me. You can't do it. God won't be there. It's too late for you. But in that still, quiet voice that God often uses to speak to us, where he speaks into our heart, as I was praying, wrestling, fearful, the Lord said to me, with my help, you can. With my help, you can. Ask the question. Don't be afraid. Forty-two and a half years later, to God be the glory, God's still being faithful. And Lynn said to me in a text earlier, watching from home, said, thank you for popping the question. Thank you for not being afraid 
And, and I'm thanking God that he gave me enough courage to, to say yes. <laughs> so fear is a liar. You know, I was at a point in, 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 in the relationship where fright was in control, and I was about to take flight. <laughs> and God said, stay and fight. There's times whenever fright makes us want to take flight. And God says, no, you need to stay and fight. You need to fight for what's right. Fight for what's good. Fight for my plan for your life. Sometimes we need to fight when we're afraid, right? I mean, I was still afraid. I was afraid for the first several years of our marriage that I was going to mess up, that I was going to become what I was afraid of becoming. But God kept saying, push on, push on. We got this. We got this. You know, courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. The Bible commands us to have faith and challenges us to have courage. I love these words, Deuteronomy 31.6. So be strong. Well, courage, you got that one. That's good. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Somebody say amen. Folks, in this time of uncertainty, of pandemic, of political uncertainty, economic uncertainty, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Your God will neither fail you nor abandon you. I love this quote. This is on the wall of a friend of mine who is a brave person, a lot of bravery. And this is his motto for life. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. Well, that's, that's, that's a good word there, isn't it, from Teddy Roosevelt. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. You see, Marion Lynn Urgle was more important than the fear I felt. Standing up for what you believe right now in an uncertain time is more important than the fear that you feel. Being afraid that being politically incorrect, for example, is not something to be afraid of. But stand up for what you believe. If you have convictions, don't back off of your convictions. Be willing to stand for what you believe. The opposite of courage is fear. The opposite of faith is doubt. Those are two different things. Faith and it is crucial to battle our fears, but courage is important. I love this quote from Teddy Roosevelt. The brave may not live forever, but the cautious do not live at all. If you never get out of the boat, you're not going to live at all. You're going to go through the motions. We're called to step out and be brave and be courageous. Now, let me just say this. Flight is not always bad. I just want to clarify. There are sometimes you need to back up and fight for another day, right? Sometimes you need to kind of, oh, I may need to go get some reinforcements here, you know? But don't let fright, don't let fear consume you, control you, convince you that you can't. So focus on faith more than fear. Nick Walinda, that high-wire artist, says, I believe in two things. The first is I, I believe that God is in control of everything. When I step out on that wire, I believe that God is in control of everything. 
When I step into this pulpit, I believe that God is in control of everything. When you get out of bed in the morning, do you believe that God is in control of everything? When you go to the ballot box on Tuesday, do you believe that God is in control of everything? That God is in control. Number two, he says, oh, he says, and, 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 and I defeat, here, 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 you want to hear this, I defeat fear with faith and facts. I said, hey, I got that little thing on my desk that says the same things. I, I defeat fear, feelings, with faith and facts. My faith is, is that God is in control and that God has my life in his hands. I believe that. And the facts are, he says, I believe in my skills. I believe in my training. I believe in my rigging. I believe in these guys here that put this rigging together. They didn't make a mistake. It is perfect. This rigging will not fail. I believe that. He says, I would not get on that wire if I didn't trust those people who put that rigging up there. But we've checked it. We've double checked it. We triple checked it. You see, I believe when I step out in faith that I put my trust in God's facts, that our God is a good God, that our God is a faithful God, that our God goes before us, that our God will not forsake us. I believe that, and I live my life by that. Peter looked down instead of looking up. Adam and Eve focused on what was forbidden. Don't live your life on your feelings. I love this short prayer from Second Chronicles 20. It's a prayer prayed by Jehoshaphat, a king before his people in the face of an attacking army, vastly outnumbered. This is what he prayed. It's a great prayer. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We do not know what to do. How many of you need to pray that today? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But we are looking to you for help. <laughs> and if you read the rest of the story, God showed up and there was a great victory. I am looking to God for help because he is the God who promises to be there for me. Some of us are making the mistake of feeding our fears instead of starving our fears. We spend way too much time on the internet. We spend way too much time watching the news. We, we spend way too much time watching scary shows. We're feeding our fears. And the Bible says we should starve our fears and feed our faith. I love these words. You've heard them before, many of you, Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, what? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need, thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Anybody need your heart and your mind guarded today from fear, from anxiety, from worry? And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, not on lies, what is true, what is honorable, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Focus on the things of God. And then face your future with faith in God. You know, fear is rooted in imagining all the bad things that might happen. So much, so much of the times we're afraid of what has not yet happened. We fear what might happen. 
And there's a lot of possibilities, hurt, harm, death, financial loss, conflict, instability. But hear this, church, uncertainty and uncertain times is not new. From the beginning of time, there have been uncertainty and uncertain times. And as Christians, how we react in the face of the unknown may be the most strategic opportunity that the church and Christians have ever had. Right now, in this time of uncertainty, how we react, how we stand, what we believe, what we confess, and God has placed you where you are in life, in your neighborhood, your job, your church, your family for this time. He knew this time would come. He's put you here for a reason, to be a voice of peace, to be a voice of confidence in God's power and God's presence, to say the words of Jesus, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. To say the words of Jesus, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. At some point in the next 24 hours, the next 48 hours, somebody's going to come up to you and scared to death, full of anxiety, and are going to look to you for an answer. And God has put you in that place for a reason. You have an opportunity to introduce them to the God of peace. But you can't do that if you're paralyzed by fear. You can't be a voice of reason if you are gripped and paralyzed by fear. Now, Nick, while Linda, who in the world wants to go walk on a tightrope, right? Look at my friend Jason back there. Jason, you do a lot of scary things, but would you walk on a tightrope? No, not hardly, right? You know, it's interesting. It's a great book. They start out practicing about six inches off the ground. I could do that. And they practice with a loose wire, so it's all shaky and stuff, you know. If you can walk three inches off the ground on a shaky wire, the point is you can walk 25 feet off the, off the ground. But you know why he does that? He believes that God has called him to share his faith to help others overcome fear. That God has given him an opportunity to share with others that through my faith in Jesus Christ, I can face my fears. I can go forward and face them. I was talking to a family earlier this week who were waiting on the test results of one of their children, a medical test. And they said the unknown is what is so scary. And we all know that, right? The unknown is what most of us fear the most. Well, God gave me a little rhyme here. I'm hoping Grace Marie or Melody's going to make it into a song. Maybe like a Zach Williams song and I can sing with Dolly Parton, you know, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. We have a God who knows. We have a God who goes before us. We have a Savior who's defeated all our foes. We have a God who knows what's going to happen. We have a God who goes before us, and we have a Savior who has defeated all of our foes. Amen? That'll preach. That's where my confidence is at. So let me give you some final steps to take. First of all, name your fears. Name them. Write them down. Speak them out loud. Tell your friend that you trust your fear. Name them. Tell your spouse your fears. Tell them what you're afraid of. Quit trying to hide and just name your fears. Nick Willanda said we had to face our fear that 
Heights was a fear. <laughs> Falling was a fear. We had to name those. We had to talk about them, get them out there. And, and know that everyone faces their fears at their own pace, right? Not everybody's ready to come back to church yet. I talked to families out trick-or-treating last night and said, we, we've been watching you online. We may come back this weekend. I said, well, good. I'm preaching on fear. Come on. <laughs> come on. Surrender your fears to God. Give them to God. Lay them down there with God. And discipline yourself to defeat your fears. And trust in these three things, God's promises, God's promises. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Trust in God's power. That perfect love drives out fear. And trust in God's presence. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. When I was afraid to ask Lynn to marry me, he brought me through that. It wasn't long after that that I began to be afraid to be a dad because I love my dad. My dad passed last year. I can remember practicing basketball in my backyard on a dirt court, hoping that I would see my dad watching through the window, me shooting hoops. But my dad was always too busy. He didn't come to a game and he didn't watch me. And we worked on all that later on and worked through that. But I thought, I don't want to be a dad that's not there for their kids. I was afraid to be a bad dad. I never forget when, when Aaron was trying out for the middle school basketball team, his seventh grader, littlest guy out there, little pipsqueak. And they wouldn't let parents in the gym. There were 94 kids trying out for about six spots. And so I remember the gym had windows like that right there, like the middle school, and I would try to peek through the, the window to see if I could see him out there. And then I saw him out there, and they, were, they, had, they had divided him up into shirts and skins, right? Bad idea for a little guy to be on skins, right? You got all these big muscle guys, and you got little Aaron with no, no shirt on. Oh, was, I was nervous. I never forget when the coach made some announcement and he told some of the players to, to go get their shirts and he'd announced who made the team. And I remember seeing Aaron running back toward the door to get his shirt with this big smile on his face. And then I knew that God again had helped me pass the test, that I was there watching through the window because God had helped me fight through the fears that I would fail as a dad. My friends, Fear is a liar. Henry James wrote a book, a story titled The Madonna of the Future. It was a story about an artist who devoted her entire life to a single painting. And when she died, it was discovered that the canvas was blank. She never finished because she never started. She was afraid she would mess up. She was afraid she wouldn't get it right. My friends, Jesus has not called you to play it safe. He's not called you to be cautious. He's called you to be bold and unafraid. To fear not, for I'm with you. I want to close with these words. I want you to take them with you this week. I have fears, but fear doesn't have me. Can you say that with me? I have fears, 
but fear doesn't have me. I can do all things through Jesus Christ, and so can you. Father God, thank you for being in this world with us. You didn't leave us alone. You, knew, you know exactly where we are. You know that the winds are blowing. You know that the storm is rising. You know that we're sometimes terrified and afraid. But you come to us. And through your words, you calm the wind. You, you stop the storm. And you guide us through it. We know you're going to guide us through these through this pandemic, you're going to guide us through this election. You're going to guide us through the uncertainty that's facing us as a nation, as a people, even as a church, as a denomination. Father, today, help our souls to be still and know that you're on our side. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.